Turn to Numbers. Numbers chapter 28. In fact, I'm going to go back into 27 just for a minute since Pastor Cameron's not here and he's probably watching, but I don't get many opportunities to say something about him in his absence. May I remind you that I didn't pick him. You didn't pick him. The Holy Ghost spoke through the church. Do y'all remember this? We went to Acts 13 when they prayed and fasted and the Lord said, I choose him and him. And we said, God, we don't want to have a pulpit committee. We don't want to search for who we want. We want, God, who it is that you want. Y'all remember this? The whole church decided this. So we started to pray and we started to fast. And we started to ask you to pray and fast. Our deacon started praying and fasting. And it wasn't long somebody came up and said, Do you remember a man that came to our church and years ago? It had been 15 years ago since the woman was recalling that. And then someone else said, Hey, Pastor, what was the man's name from? And then we brought him for a couple's retreat. Do you all remember this? He and Lynn came. And our couple's just fell in love and then remember the night that he preached to the students Chuck over at Liberty University and you called me that night and you said pastor the best meeting we've had at camp has not been the services at Liberty University but afterwards we had an afterglow with uh, 80 or 90 young people we had and you said Cameron Cloud came over from Dillon Virginia and he preached and the spirit of God fell you said we had people saved and our young people experienced a little measure of revival. When they came back, you know what they started saying to me? Some of our teenagers? Pastor, if you really are going to, to step away from being our lead pastor and you feel like God's leading you, they, they said, hey, we think we know who we are. Can we bring him here? Can we invite Cameron and Lynn Cloud to come? Do y'all remember? I just want to remind you, this is the way God works. Now look at your Bibles in the 27th chapter of Numbers. I want you to pray for the Rick Martin family. Rick and Lynn sat in this region right here. Rick had um, an episode, could not uh, regain consciousness, had some breathing issues and other things. They found that he, had, he did have COVID. Um, it's been some weeks since he was here, but he passed away. Uh, he's not much older than me. A school teacher in Cumberland County, please remember their family. We really love Rick and Lynn and Gina and Eric, their children. In verse 18, the Bible said something to Moses. Now, he'd been the long-time leader. I feel led to share this, and I don't think I would have if he was in the service. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, who's to be the new leader, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit. Well, I agree with that on him. And lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eliezer the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. Now, we're going to do a formal um, passing of the guard. Uh, down the road when it's time to make that change. Verse 20, And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him. Now let me tell you something about honor for me. Honor don't mean I'm anything special. All that means is the way people view you. They respect your office. Not so much me, but the years of service, um, what God has done here. He said, take some of the honor that people look at you and give you. And, and put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel might be obedient. In other words, they might follow him. 
the way they followed you. Now look at me. For 36 years. You know what this church has done? They said, dream your dreams, young man of God. I was young one time. Dream your dreams. And when God speaks to you, we're going to say yes. And we're going to follow you. And we're going to support you. And that's why we have the international influence we have right now. He said, look, put some of your honor upon him that the congregation of Israel may follow him too. Verse 21, and he shall stand before Eliezer the priest who shall ask counsel for him. Now, they don't, we don't have to stand before priests. Now, we stand before God. That's who he stands before now. After the judgment of Urim, before the Lord, at his word shall they go out, and at his word shall they come in. In other words, the congregation of Israel is supposed to follow him. Both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and I've tried to do that. And he took Joshua and set him before Eliezer the priest and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands upon him. This is going to happen one day. Gave him a charge as the Lord God, as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Now we get into the message. That's my introduction. It has nothing to do with sacrifice. I just feel like God wanted us to, <clears throat> to say that. If you were in the early service and you weren't, most all of you were not, <clears throat> it was a scary moment. Here's someone we love and we see him struggling. And thankfully, we believe it's something very simple, and they're getting to the bottom of it right now. But I got a, an email. And by the way, do you know God speaks to us, still speaks today? If you believe God's still speaking today, will you say amen? And if he's not speaking to you, you better get your life straight, because God's listening. He wants to speak. You just have to be listening. He speaks in four ways. Do you all know where, you know where I'm going with this? Remember our study years ago on experiencing God? We found out, Mr. Henry Black Blackaby taught us in that little book, we went through it together as a church, that God speaks in at least four ways. Number one, he speaks through prayer. While you're praying, the Lord will speak something to your heart. It's good to pray with a pad close beside you. Number two, God speaks through the Word, the Scriptures. God speaks through prayer. God speaks through the Scriptures. God speaks through the circumstances of life. I always love to tell that story about getting those three speeding tickets that year, late 80s. And God was speaking to me. He was saying, slow down, slow down. Not just your car, your life. But God not only speaks through prayer and the scriptures and circumstances, God speaks also through the church. In other words, through each other, through people. We've got a deacon's wife <clears throat> uh, who loves the Word of God. In fact, all of them do. Uh, but I get an email the other day, and I'm going to say her name. She's not in this service. Uh, Christy Ellis sent me an email. She said, Pastor, I'm in a series, I'm in a Bible study from a woman by the name of Melissa Spolstra. And she said, for four days the Lord's been leading me to send you these quotes, and I haven't done it. Now, they might be crazy, she said. It might not make sense, but they did make sense. She said, the Lord's speaking to me out of this. By the way, the first thing I thought about was, who in the world does a Bible study in the book of Numbers? I mean, other than James here. <laughs> Maybe Pastor Cameron. Uh, how many of you have ever done a full study through the book of, of Numbers? Let's see your hand. Three or four. One. Anybody else? So two or three of you, smart ones. These are our resident theologians and so on in the church. I can confess I have not. Sometimes when I was reading it, I'd read as fast as I could to get through it because it seemed redundant, but it isn't. And she said, I want to share. Well, but immediately the Lord started speaking. You know how he was doing? He was speaking through this church, through her. So I didn't look up Miss Folstra. I just looked at that email, and I started praying, and I got in this text, and I started reading it over and over and over again. So as a result of that email two or three weeks ago, 
I want us to look at chapter 28 and a, just a dab in 29. And I'm not going to preach the whole chapter. I'm going to lift things out of it. And I want to preach for a few minutes the week before the chest on this. The power and the purpose of a sacrifice. The power and the purpose of a sacrifice. And I'm going to issue a challenge to you. I'd like to ask you to, if not today, sometime later, even while I'm preaching, if you mark in your Bible, some people don't, to make marks at places when you see the word sacrifice. When you see the word offering, which is basically somewhat the same thing. I actually wrote, I underlined every time I, I saw that about the sweet savor or the aroma that God smells when we offer a sacrifice. I then started noticing that some sacrifices happen every day. Some sacrifices weekly, some monthly, some only once per year. I started marking all these things, and little phrases that jump out at me, I started marking them, and I've spent a lot of time in this text, and God has spoken clearly to me. By the way, let me give you the definition of sacrifice. I left my phone back there because I shared for my friends to see the service today. Did you know, if you look at your secular dictionary, Mr. Webster uh, defines sacrifice as the slaying of an animal. I mean, right back to Bible days. Usually the world hijacks our words. Oh, no, no. That's what it means. I always kind of saw it as the first and the best sacrifice, which is why we always have Chester Joash on the first Sunday of December. We believe it's Jesus' birthday, right? It should be he should get the first gift, and he should get the best gift of Christmas. We always have tried to do that as a family. In fact, we give him more than we give all others put together, typically. When you think about sacrifice, and I, I said this morning, I've preached every text I know in the Bible on sacrifice, never thought about this one. But I saw some things that just got all over me, and I'm going to give you three thoughts this morning. I'm going to give them to you before I start, and then I'm going to begin with the purpose and the power of a sacrifice. Number one, the purpose and power of a sacrifice, number one, for our God. It's for our God. Number two, it's for ourselves. That sounds selfish, but you'll see in a moment that it's not. Our sacrifice is for our God. It's for ourselves. And I didn't get to the third point in the first service because of our situation. But it's also for the, for the blessing of others. So let me, let's look at the Word of God and let's pray one more time. Father, only you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, can open and illuminate the minds of the people here to understand how important this is. And to see you, God, and see you, Jesus, in this moment. So speak through your servant and drive home this truth of the power and purpose of a sacrifice in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, it's for our God. Look at verse 1, chapter 28. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say unto them, Now look at this, I underline all the my's and the me's. Look at this. My offering and my bread for my sacrifices. I, I put parentheses around that. Made by fire for a sweet savor unto me shall ye... Observe to offer unto me in their due season. I, I'm telling you what God says early on. Please understand that your sacrifice is not for the church. It's not for the poor. It's not for the church planting even. Your sacrifices are to be given unto me. You're going to see that statement again and again through this passage. The Lord wants us to understand the big picture here is not the amount. The big picture is the heart sacrifice unto God. I did a little research again. I, I mentioned on this text, and I was noticing this little phrase keeps uh, coming up. Look in verse 2. Uh, Sweet savor unto me shall you observe to offer unto me. I, I'll notice unto me, unto me. And look down in verse uh, 3. 
he says, uh, And thou shalt say unto them, This is the offering made by fire which ye shall offer unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. Come down to verse 6. Uh, offer this offering in Mount Sinai, a sacrifice made by fire, say it with me, unto the Lord. Now look down a little bit further in verse, verse 8. Um, the sacrifice made by fire of a sweet savor, say it with me, unto the Lord. This, it goes over and over and over again, these two chapters. And you say, what's going on? Well, let me give you the background. The children of Israel are in the wilderness. They're wandering through the wilderness. Moses is leading them. They've just come out of bondage. They, they, they have just, I mean, uh, weeks and months, even years before, they've come out of bondage. Remember, they wander in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. So they're years into their journey, and there are a few sacrifices made along the way during this time, but, but things are, are different now. God's setting them up and getting them ready because in just a, few, a short while, they're going to cross over Jordan, and they're not going to be in the wilderness anymore. By the way, how many of you believe you're in the wilderness? If you don't know it, can I just go ahead and tell you? With your mask on and your eyes wide and uh, scared to death and worried about... You're in the wilderness, for the record. You're a Christian. You had not crossed over yet into Canaan land. We might live there by faith, but we're not in heaven yet. So we're here wandering our way through the wilderness. And watch this. In the middle of all this, God says to his servant, Go tell the people that I want them to sacrifice. Now I'm telling you, that's probably not the most popular thing you could have told Moses in that day. God's feeding them manna in the daytime. That's all they got to eat. Manna. Manna in the morning for breakfast. Manna sandwiches for lunch. A little manna pudding after supper. I mean, that's what they had all the time. Just manna, manna, manna. How many times have I ever said that in all these years? I don't know. You'll miss it one day. But manna, manna, manna. That's all they had was manna. And now God saying, look here. I'm, and he's got a purpose in it. You're going to see it in a moment. And the Lord says, here's what I want you to know. You ain't going to just be eating manna. You're not just going to be traveling, living in tents. You're going to have your own land. You're going to be in the place flowing with milk and honey. You're going to be living the good life on the other side. And when you do, I have a purpose here in helping you with these sacrifices. But let me give you some details as to how you're to put the flour with the rams, how you're to put a certain amount of oil with it, how you're to put the goats here, and how you're to offer the, the, uh, the lambs here. And here's how you're going to do it, and I'm giving you all the details. I just paraphrased that whole passage. He, let's think about this for a moment. He said, by the way, when you do it, what's the sweetest thing you smelt in the last little while? And I know we just came off of, of uh, our holiday, Thanksgiving. Boy, it was sweet. We had so much fun. We went over to Stephanie's. We, I told him in the early hour we, we pulled a little, a little bit of a National Lampoon um, holiday because we jumped in my 1990 Jayco 26-foot uh, motorhome. And we, we drove from place to place. We did kind of a progressive lunch. We went to Stephanie's for wassail and appetizers. Then we left there and went to Tiffany's for ham, macaroni, cheese, and punch. And then we went to our house for turkey and dressing and some other things. Then we went to Mother's for the dessert. We kind of traveled. Then we loaded up on that motorhome and traveled to do it. Like a, it was a little crazy, but we had so much fun. But when I walked into to Stephanie's house, it smelled so sweet of that cinnamon in that little wassail drink warm you know little cranberries floating and orange peel and the whole deal at the top it smelled really good you know what god says makes him gets his attention you know what's a 
sweet aroma. That's what that word savor. By the way, if you look at this, this chapter, it occurs over and over and over again. This is sweet aroma. This is sweet savor. This is sweet savor. This is sweet. God says, sacrifices. When you decide to put away your flesh and not be ashamed of me at your workplace. When you decide to honor me with love and with your testimony and with resources. And, and when you sacrifice... Don't just do it for that little boy that we saw a moment ago who doesn't have a church and doesn't know God. Yes, we should consider him, but that sacrifice has to be more important than that. It's for God. Do you see this? He says when you make a sacrifice, an aroma comes up into the heavens. And I smell it, God said, and it's sweet to me. I don't know how you feel about that, but the thought that I get to the creator of the world, I can do something to please him. That encourages me. I'm ready for next Sunday. I'm not dreading it. I'm ready for it. Because it, I want to please God. Number one, the power and purpose of a sacrifice is for God. Unto the Lord. A sweet savor. Now we're talking about the God. Here's the purpose of this sacrifice. We're talking about the God who made everything. Everything you've ever seen that you've been amazed by. Everything that you've ever experienced that's been wonderful, every blessing. That little girl that we held in our arms a little while ago, God made her. God gave her. Do you see that? Please understand, this is the God we get to worship. Our sacrifices are for God. He made everything. He loves everybody. Even people that don't love Him, He loves them. God so loved the world. Did you know he not only dwelt among his people that I'm reading about here in Israel, in the wilderness, in the tabernacle, in the temple. Listen to me. He dwells. Get ready. Here's a good place for an amen. He dwells with us right now. He lives in me if you're saved. The Holy Ghost is in us. He's the Spirit of Christ. This is the God that we get to worship. Do you see it? Lord, help us to see it. He worked miracles back then. <laughs> Water out of a rock, here you go. God worked miracles then. He's working miracles now. This worship, this sacrifice is for Him. He provided food supernaturally. He's kept every promise He ever made. He, and the ones He hasn't fulfilled yet, He's going to fulfill I hope you understand this sacrifice we're talking about. And here in this text, God says, do this unto me, do this unto me, do this unto me. When you make a sacrifice, you're not just doing it for others. Focus your attention upon Him. Let Him be first. I'd venture to say that many of us will do without some things so that people we love will get to enjoy some blessings this Christmas. Well, if you've got that ahead of Him, you're way out of order. You need to realign yourself. By the way, what I've found through the years, if I learn how to love Him and sacrifice to Him, send some sweet savor up to Him, He'll usually bless me to be able to bless everybody else I want to. I've really never had to miss out on the second part of that blessing. Number one, by the way, does He deserve it? Does He? Is He worthy? Boy, what a perfect song, Dr. Hughes. Is He worthy? <laughs> To open the book, loose the seals. Of course he is. Who is he? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm saved. If you're glad you're saved this morning, say amen. Did you know he's the one that provided that salvation? 
So our sacrifice, number one, is for our God. And that's our longest one, longest point. These last two are quick. You ready for this? Number two, not only is our sacrifice, the power and purpose of a sacrifice, the sacrifice for our God, but number two, it's for ourselves. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to tell you a couple things that really tick me off before I show you what the Bible says. And I love you, and I don't remember who said it, but through the years I've heard it many times, not only in our church, I've heard it in the community. Here's what people say. Pastor, I'll tell you right now, here's what they say. Tithing works. Tithing works. It gets on my nerves every time I hear it. Let me tell you what that's implied in that statement. The reason I give is because I want God to, to give me. I can't meet my bills if I can't, if God, I'm going to give him his because I'm afraid he'll take my. Let, let me tell you something about giving to God. You ain't going to have a reward. If you give because you think tithing works, I'm going to get something from God. That's not the way it works. God, that don't bring a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. I can tell you that. But a real sacrifice, are you listening? I'm talking about, look at, in fact, look at, let's look at it in the Bible. Chapter 28 and verse 22. I, I just saw this right in the middle of the reading of the text. And one goat, he said, right in the middle of all these offerings for him, he said, and also take one goat for a sin offering and make an atonement for who? For you. Hey, he didn't just say it one time. Right in the middle of all this, the sacrifice is primarily to be for him. But not only that, look at over in verse 30, chapter 28, verse 30. And to take one kid of the goats to make an atonement for you. God said, let me, let me show you this, how important this is. This truth of a sacrifice, until you ever learn that I'm first, I'm the one that gave you everything you've got. Did you know the Lord was setting them up to understand what Thanksgiving is all about? To teach His people to be grateful. If you're not grateful, you'll just take everything everybody gets you and you won't want to sacrifice anything for God or anybody else. You'd just be a taker. Do you know two kinds of people in this world? Takers and givers. They just want to take, take, take. Sadly. By the way, if we're not careful, we teach our children that. Without meaning to. You don't teach them how to give. You don't teach them how to sacrifice. You don't teach them how to serve. You just give them everything in the world because you're wonderful. And you can do anything you want to do in the whole world. No, you can't. Some of them don't have the talent to do it. Some of them don't have the sense to do it, frankly. But you've got them set up for failure because they think they're going to go and play basketball for the NBA. And they're five foot two. Grown. It's not going to work. What you better be teaching them is let's make sacrifices to God. Let's show God that we love Him. Let's make these unto God and then to each other and then to people we don't even know. Does that make sense? You see, the second part of this is not only sacrifices for our God, but also for ourselves. He said, now offer this offering for an atonement. Boy, aren't you glad these are pictures, aren't they, of the Lord Jesus Christ that came his Father offered Him on the cross for you and for me, for our atonement. He atoned for me, and I'm going to heaven today because of the sacrifice His Father made of Him for me. If you're glad of that, will you say amen? Now, I'm, I was meditating on the big picture here. Not once a year. Not monthly or weekly, but also some of these offerings. In fact, you'll, if you look down through verse 20. Chapter 28, you'll see it. In fact, look over to 29 real quick. 
Do you see the little words in, in verse 1, chapter 29? Do you see the little words, the first day? And then, oh, I, I missed chapter 29, verse 5, an atonement for you. There's another offering for you. But look at verse 7, the tenth day. Do you see that? Tenth day. And when you look down in verse uh, 12, the fifteenth day of the seventh month. And then he starts getting real aggressive in about verse 17. Numbers 28 or 29, verse 17. He said, the second day. And then look at uh, the verse 20. The third day, 11 bullocks and two rams. Make a sacrifice. Verse 23. And then on the fourth day, 10 bullocks, two rams and 14 lambs. In verse 26, and on the fifth day, and every day on the sixth day, verse 29, on the seventh day, verse 32, on the eighth day, verse 35, and on and on. <coughs> he says these sacrifices are not just made, made a year. Did you know years ago when we started doing this first Sunday of December gift, we had no idea the big picture. I didn't. I wanted to pay off buildings, frankly. I didn't want to have mortgages. And I wanted to live and uh, be able to serve debt-free so we could go do things all over the world and share the gospel and build churches. But the Lord said, there's a bigger picture here. When you learn to honor me and put me first and glorify me, there's some blessings for you. God's, listen, here's, here's the picture, I think the big picture. God is saying, hey... You're going to get over in the promised land and you're going to have your own land and you're going to be blessed and you're going to have cattle and you're going to have this and you're going to have that. Will you, when you get over there, please remember me? Listen to me, church of the 21st century. When you get blessed and you get a good job and you've got a car to drive and you've got a house with heat in it, God says, remember me. When you can go anywhere you want to on vacation and do anything else you want to do, God says, hey, don't forget me. It was God that gave you everything in the first place. And it'll be God that sustains you along the way. He's saying, remember me. You see, for, as far as he was concerned, this was to remind them when they get over in the promised land to be thankful, grateful people. He said, I'm going to give you abundance, or I want to, if you'll learn how to sacrifice. He said, if you'll learn how to sacrifice, I'll give you an abundance. Because there's a biblical principle here. Are you ready for this? Say it with me. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. Young people, learn this principle early on. Learn to sacrifice. Learn to give and be thankful. I love the term that Miss Bolstra used that uh, Christy sent me in a quote. Listen to this. Get in a rhythm of life. See, that's what God was doing here. On this day, on this day, on this day. On this month and on this month. On this year, at the end of the year, on this way, put this oil with this flower and this animal. God's saying, get in a rhythm of sacrifice. Now look, you're looking at me awfully spiritual, but here's what I know about some of us. You love yourself way too much. You made a God out of your family or your 401k or something else has become more important to you than the God in heaven who sent his son to go to the cross for you. What's the last time you really made a sacrifice, number one, for our God? Number two, when you do that, there's a blessing in it for ourselves. Listen, did you know God is wanting to bless them? When they get over in that promised land, he's thinking, I'm going to bless their salt. I'm going to bless my people. But before I can, they've got to learn this rhythm of life. 
how to honor me and be thankful for what I've given them or they'll become these selfish, entitled people. He wanted them to remember, listen to this, I'm going to say it loud so you hear it. It all came from him. Everything you have. Well, I worked hard for mine. Well, who gave you the strength to work? Who gave you the mind to work? It all came from him. He, he wanted them to remember. And, and this is a statement Christy made, so sweet. She said, Pastor, for 20 years I've followed the leadership of our church and I've tried to pray and give a sacrifice. Sometimes she said, I was a little under pressure in my heart, a little stressed. She said, I'm afraid, and this is her being honest, and I'm going to have to say, I, was, I can say the same thing. I'm afraid I lost the wonder that I get to come before God and offer Him a sacrifice. The one true God. Have you lost the wonder? Finally, the power and purpose of a sacrifice for our God, for ourselves. And then finally, I got to thinking, Israel was not the only people group in the world at this time. I started reading chapters before and long chapters after, and as they navigated through the wilderness, they went through lands like Midian, other places. Did you know, listen to me, when they get over in the promised land, they face some battles. They get through Jericho. They go over in before the dividing of the land. There are lots of other nations watching them. Did you know, thirdly, it's for our neighbors? It's not only for our God. It's not only for ourselves. It's for our neighbors. You don't think people are watching you? You don't think your family, your friends, the people you sat around the table with the other day are watching? You say you know God? What would it say to them, and what did it say here in the Scriptures, when they saw their loved ones, their neighbors, sacrificing unto God, as they viewed? Hmm. That's pretty strong, isn't it? The pagans were watching. Did you know they're still watching? Lost people are still watching. I, I've heard this said, and I think it's true. The greatest apologetic, the greatest testimony is a changed life. When we're different, oh, they take note. Here's what I think the neighbors might have been saying. Good night, they're offering more animals. <laughs> they're giving ten bullocks. Look at that family over there pouring all that. Look at that sacrifice they're making. <clears throat> their God, <clears throat> listen to this, their God must be worth it. He must be worthy. He must be worth it. You know, I'm sure Israel didn't understand. God, why are you asking this of us? Here we are traveling through the wilderness, and we're not even in the promised land yet. Why are you getting us set up for this? And God's saying, because I love you. Because I want to bless you. Because I want you to understand what it means to offer a sacrifice. So next Sunday... Between now and the end of the year, I wonder, have we been watching? Can you imagine with me? Hey, can we go on a little bit of a, I'm a dreamer, you all know that. Can we go on a little dream walk around this property on a new path? 
prayer path. Can you imagine walking on it and praying for your loved ones and your friends and your community? Can you imagine taking a walk with one of your lost friends, inviting them out, taking a walk on your way around when you see the little square saying, hey, we're going to have a, a free youth soccer program right here one day. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine families coming? People that can't afford maybe to pay the money and us sitting with them in the bleachers. Can you all imagine this? And saying, hey, we're so glad you all came. Tell me your name. Can I tell you what Jesus did for me? Can you just imagine that walk? Can you imagine, can you imagine us going, some of us? I'm not sure I'm going to Africa. I had such a time when I went before, but I, I'm going to pray for you as you go. Some of you really are up for this. Can you imagine going over there and meeting families and a church that's come together and they don't have a place to meet and us building them a building in a week? Can you just imagine that one of those big fat churches? Can you imagine us going on the reservation in Montana? Can you? And seeing our preacher boy out there? Can you? Singing the songs of Jesus to them and helping them reach their community for the gospel. I wonder, can you see it? And there's so much more in the vision. Let me tell you how it'll happen when we recognize that our sacrifices are unto our God and unto ourselves. There's a blessing in it for us, but he's first. And then for our neighbors. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. While our heads are bowed, I wonder if there's any conviction in the heart of anybody in this room and say, Pastor, sadly, I've lived some of my life, maybe a lot of it, unto myself. Maybe not realizing it or meaning to. Can I just tell you something? Listen to me. The Lord loves you. I want you to examine yourself, first of all, to determine, are you really saved? Have you really come to the cross? Because when you come to the cross, you've got to lay that self down. You lay yourself down when you come to the cross. You lay your life down. You say, God, here I am, lock, stock, and barrel. you got me. I, you take all my sin, and he does. And, Lord, I take your righteousness on me. I, I'm yours. If you're born again and saved by God's grace and you've still lived life for yourself, you just got confused. Would you ask God to forgive you? He'll do it immediately. And turn your heart toward God. Or maybe you're here and there's just something so big in your life. Maybe it's a sin or a weight. It's so heavy. And you think, I don't know if God would even be interested in my sacrifice. You know what God wants more than anything? He just wants you. That's all He wants. He just wants you. He loves you wants to be near you. Will you can you can we send up some sacrifices of love right now to God? Lord, I love you. Will you do that? If so, I bet he'll smell the sweet aroma. Would you give him sacrifices of praise this week? Lord, I I praise your grace, your mercy, your goodness. God says, I smell that. When we gather next Sunday, can we offer him sacrifices? We live our life in a new rhythm of sacrificing unto God, making Him first. It's a constant battle. Your flesh wants to get back up on the throne, or you want to put somebody else, a kid or a family member or somebody else in your life, your husband or wife, no. They're, they're good people. They're poor saviors. Put God on the throne. Father, I preach exactly what you've laid on my heart. As Thomas plays this song, I pray, Lord, if there be those that need to respond, they would do so today take Jesus, to get some things right, whatever it is, we will be obedient to you because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed. God has spoken. Would you come?
you'd like to unite with our church or follow the Lord in baptism or any need you have, our pastors are here to help you. You know, young people, did you know you can start a life in the right rhythm, whether the rest of the family does or not? And if you look for opportunities, God will give you opportunities. If you'll ask Him, Lord, show me. Lord, bless me so I can bless you and your work. Somebody said, a gift like that is, you feel it, first and best. What would a sacrifice really be? Sacrifice your friends or your reputation at work change that to be a man of God, a woman of God what if they laugh? Well that'd be a sacrifice to make with it favor for ridicule ridicule for favor Father, thank you for a, a hearing, if I, Lord I believe if we've ever heard a truth in this church that, I, that maybe you got our attention this morning through what we experienced but I believe your people have heard this truth and I believe those that are viewing Today on the live stream we're hearing it and I trust you completely that your will will be done just like our pastor said in the early service. You've got a way of getting everything done you want done and we want what you want when you want it. Lord, I love you. May we be men and women of sacrifice. Lord, make me that. In Jesus' name, amen.